Hi, Rachel here. If you like Port Saga and want more audio fiction in your life, please become a patron at patreon.com slash Rachel J. Wilkinson. You can get bonus content, access to our Patreon-only Discord server, exclusive podcast feeds for early and ad-free episode releases, and the satisfaction of supporting an independent studio. So please join us at patreon.com slash Rachel J. Wilkinson. The following episode contains adult content, violence, and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Vampire the Masquerade, Port Saga, Episode 16, Eat the Rude. It doesn't take Usher long to realize something is rotten in the state of Virginia. Lysander among the Thin Bloods, Rebel and I arriving unexpectedly in our serial killer ice cream van. Put whatever this is in park and leave the keys in the ignition. You're coming with me. Rebel gives me a reassuring nod and we exit the vehicle. As Usher leads us to an SUV, a couple of ghouls get in the ice cream van and drive away, taking the freezer full of thin blood vitae with them. I didn't see Keisha, did you? No. Hey, chuckle fuck. Where are you taking our van? You would be wise to afford me the respect of a court officer. Excuse me. Apologies. Hey, Sheriff Chucklefuck, where are you taking our van? To Cardiff House, where you can explain yourselves to the Elder Prince. Or you can explain that we're here because of Lysander and save us all the trouble of disturbing the Prince's evening. Go on. We were paying his ransom. He was a thin-blood hostage then. Yeah. What was the purchase price of his freedom? That van. And why would they kidnap a Toreador for an ice cream truck, Mr. Reed? Because inside that van is a freezer full of blood Dante took from them. Usher stops in his tracks and turns to face me. Meanwhile, Rebel looks like she's about to murder me for telling the truth. Do explain. We had a plan. We were going to use it get Lysander and lure them out so we could capture them. Ah, I see. Then it appears you no longer need the Vitae now that I have rectified the situation. Does that mean we're free to go? No, I'm taking you into custody. What for? You did not inform the Sheriff's Office of Crimes Against a Kindred Resident, nor did I approve of your plan, both of which have hindered my operation. Hey, we didn't show up until the fight was over. Yes, and instead of hunting down criminals who may have escaped, I'm here, babysitting you. Oh, this is bullshit. And to think, if only you had shown me a modicum of respect. You've heard of pecking order, yeah? Technically, it's called dominance hierarchy. Alphas versus betas and all that. And if you think that's just werewolf shit, you're in for a rude awakening. Werewolves may have turned dominance into a lifestyle, but vampires have elevated it to an art form. The Camarilla presents itself like it's a shining tower on a hill. Clans joined together for mutual benefit guided by the wise leadership of the Justicariate and the rule of princes. They'll say this rigid, top-down hierarchy provides strong, reliable shelter for those who value humanity, beauty, and purpose. And not to sound like some slacktivist anarch, 
but under that shimmering facade is a tool of power and control. Secret rituals, Byzantine rules, tangled webs of loyalty, it's all meant to keep the alphas at the top and the betas in their place. Usher marches us into Cardiff House, but instead of heading into the dungeon, he takes us to the south wing where we join a cocktail party of sorts. Prince Quill stands in the middle of a regal parlor that could double as a hunting lodge with as many buckheads as there are on the walls. Along with the mounted heads are a collection of predators, a taxidermy hawk descending on a mouse, a stuffed wolf stalking a corner, and a bobcat, coiled ready to pounce. You know, subtle. Marlowe, Craven, Dante, and Archon Locke are here too, joined by Zelda, wearing a floor-length burgundy gown with black opera gloves and chandelier earrings that hang past her shoulders. My goodness, more guests. Your Majesty, we have a situation. How intriguing. May we speak in private? Nonsense. The more the merrier. We'll discuss it over dinner. You there. Quill snaps at an attending ghoul. Add place settings for our party crashes. The ghoul nods and departs. Marlowe and Zelda look amused as Dante acts more like a servant than a guest, refilling wine glasses from a decanter. I can tell from the smell that it's not human blood. It's Vitae. Archon Locke, this is Mr. Titus Reed, Malkavian Whip. Miss Revel Everhart, the sole bruja of Port Saga, and this fine fellow is Lysander Valentine, a Toreador of some talent. I'm always pleased to meet a fellow Toreador. What is your talent, Mr. Valentine? Music, my friend. Poetry of the soul. Dante swings around to hand me a glass. As he pours, he whispers, You shouldn't be here. Dante, I don't believe you've had a chance to meet Locke yet. It is an honor to meet you, sir. The Archon works for Her Grace, Molly MacDonald. Isn't that right, Zelda? It is. Her Grace has exquisite taste in Archons. Indeed, he is a handsome chap, even if the bar is a bit low for your clan. Pardon? Archon Locke, I heard a rumor that Justicar MacDonald was involved in the explosion that killed the Ministry in Paris. Are you suggesting that Her Grace is dead? Or that Her Grace set off the bomb? Neither. Both. Rumors are like fires, Harold Craven. No one admits to starting them, and before you know it, they're out of control. Her Grace is still standing, I assure you. And quite busy. Yes, I meant to ask, what does the proverbial chessboard look like these nights? See what I mean about chess metaphors? The Sabbat Exodus has altered the landscape for certain, and we continue to claim their abandoned cities for our own. And the Anarchs? Well, from their stronghold on the West Coast, they undermine weaker domains within the Tower, like Gary, Indiana, and Moonlight Bay. Moonlight Bay is doing just fine. Sorry. The last report had Camarilla control at a single borough. Has that changed? Soon. The Anarchs are hanging on to the other three by their fingernails. If you say so. With a renewed alliance between Prince Quill and Prince Walsh, it'll be done within the month. We're still negotiating, Craven. 
All I'm saying is that a single well-trained coterie led by Sheriff Usher or even the Archon here... Not this again. For once in your ventrue life, Mr. Craven, put the briefcase away. We're trying to enjoy ourselves. When can we finalize the details? When inspiration strikes. Your Majesty, Prince Walsh grows tired of waiting. And I grow tired of his begging. I must say, this vintage is quite exquisite. Who are we drinking? Oh, haven't you guessed, Marlowe? We're drinking our delightful Mr. Mendoza. Gross. <laughs> uh, listen, I have had a rough night. I do not plan to end it bloodbound to a motherfucking Tremere. Oh, not to worry, Lysander. They don't like admitting it publicly, but apparently... The Tremere have lost the ability to bond anyone ever since the destruction of Vienna. Oh my. Is that so? Well, Dante, cheers to you, because you are positively scrumptious. Oh, Alexander, we should send a bottle of Dante to Prince Walsh. We should. I'm sure we can squeeze another liter out of the boy. (laughs) (laughs) Dante says nothing as he casts his eyes to the floor. He's a far cry from the man I faced a month ago. Small, powerless, crushed even. They've bled him of his self-respect along with his vitality. And he's accepted his place in the social order. A beta among alphas. And cheers to you too, Craven, for filling in as Herald while Alexander takes absolutely forever to finalize his court appointments. God forbid the Elder Prince feels rushed. Elders work on elder time. Who are we youth to question it? Are you calling me old? Oh, hardly. You are distinguished, refined, like a fine wine made better with age. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I believe it's time. Come. A pair of doors open to reveal a formal dining room beyond the parlor. The space is intimate, dimly lit by two enormous gold candelabras at the center of a long oak table. Most of us, except for Lysander, brace at the sudden appearance of open flames. Instead of finding plates or silverware as we take our seats, a gold-rimmed crystal goblet rests on a black placemat. To be fair, vampire dinners aren't known for their courses. Dante, fill their glasses. The decanter is empty, your majesty. Then be a good little faucet and slit your wrist. Dante obeys, slicing along the inside of his forearm to pour a draft of himself into each glass. Meanwhile, I smell the room like Constance showed me, going beyond the smoky scent and melting wax of burning candles. I reach for the more elusive blood bonds. I don't pick up Dante on anyone, which makes me think what Quill said about the Tremere is accurate. But when I get to Marlowe, I can smell Quill all over her like the musky perfume of a French whore. She must be bound to her sire, and deeply. Your Majesty? All right, all right. What seems to be the problem, Sheriff Usher? We were met with surprisingly fierce resistance during our assault on the Thin Blood compound. We had to fight our way inside a battle during which two ghouls were killed and three others, including myself, were injured. This explains why you've come to dinner covered in as much ash as a Victorian housemaid. 
My deepest apologies, your majesty. I had not intended to interrupt your dinner party. And yet here we are. So what is the situation? Once we fought our way inside, we discovered Mr. Valentine with them. An odd turn of events, stranger still, despite Miss Everhart and Mr. Reed having no knowledge of the operation, they arrived just as we were about to hunt down those who fled. But did you capture any thin bloods? A few managed to escape when Miss Everhart and Mr. Reed interrupted. But we have four thin bloods in custody. Excellent. I must say, these thin bloods lack a certain je ne sais quoi, don't they? It's honestly such a shame they can't grasp how to be respectable members of kindred society hiding like roaches. What choice did you give them? This again? Miss Everhart? I kick Rebel's ankle to remind her that she's supposed to be bloodbound to him. I mean, I suppose you're right. Of course I am. Now, I know why Usher was at the aquarium. I sent him there. But why were you three? Well... You see... It's complicated. We, uh, we were using Lysander. Trying to flush the thin bloods out. He's lying. Marlowe, that's no way to treat a dinner guest. Then he should learn to be better at it. Lysander, isn't your sire Rachel Evans? The child prodigy from D.C.? The very same. She once told me the most riotous story, and I swore it could never be true. Did she really embrace you in the onboard toilet of a tour bus? <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, I howled. Howled with laughter when I heard about it. By the grace of the Almighty, she stumbles on this... Shrimp-guzzling, talentless hack-talking all backwater gnawlings. But he is so very pretty. The prettiest poor white trash you ever did meet. I... I... I wouldn't... I wouldn't say it was exactly like that. After doctors tell him he's dying, this fool spends his last cent on some broken-down tour bus, treating it like his last chance to be a star. I have no idea what delusion Miss Evans might have been under, but she takes pity on this pathetic broken boy and gives him the most ignoble entry into our society as you can imagine. <laughs> A real crapper smacker. <laughs> oh, come on. I can't be the only one who finds it funny. It was certainly a thing, Your Majesty. Oh, don't be like that. Where's your sense of humor, Lysander? We're all friends here. Be careful, Lysander. Predators smile to show their fangs. A prince is not allowed to smile now. Are we not allowed to enjoy each other's company? He doesn't care about any of you. That couldn't be further from the truth. I hold each of you in high regard. He only cares about himself. His treatment of the Thin Bloods is further proof. Oh, you wound me, Dante. The Thin Bloods are part of our great work together. They were part of my work. Work that would have benefited all kindred if you had not squandered it. No. I am ensuring we survive these abominations. They are a threat, roaming the streets in the light of day. They are dangerous. 
They are dangerous, and unlike my predecessor, I am doing something about it. Has he told you why he is rounding them up? Why not tell them what you plan to use them for? That's enough. Ask him. I said that's enough. Thin blood vitae lacks the ability to bond, and elders have such voracious appetites. Who are you to judge me? You insult my age, station, and the centuries I have given to the Camarilla. Anything to stave off the beckoning. You have overstayed your welcome. If I were allowed to leave, I would. I'm done with him. Someone take him back to his cell. Usher stands, gesturing toward two ghouls who swiftly drag Dante out of the room. Careful, Titus. You're next on his list. In the awkward moment that follows, Quill turns to Lysander again. Lysander, would you fetch me the bottle of cognac from the credenza? Sure. Mr. Reed, several nights ago I gave you an assignment. Do you remember? I do. Any luck so far? I've been a little busy. Thank you, Lysander. Please, sit. Take my chair. Okay. Now, Titus, the night of the Primogen meeting afterward, you went on an excursion. Where did you go? That's clan business. Your Majesty, if I may interject. You may not. I just wanted to ensure Craven, that- Craven, be quiet. You should listen to him. Do not treat me like some doddering fool. Where is Hale? I don't know. Suddenly, in a fit of rage, Quill lifts Lysander out of his chair, slams his face on the table, and holds him in a vice grip. Fuck! Where is Hale? I don't know. Quill, snatching the brandy with his free hand, uses his teeth to rip the cork out and pours the alcohol over Lysander's head. Mother- Fuck! Marlow, how long was Titus unaccounted for after the Primogen meeting? About two hours. Where did you go, Titus? I don't know. Next, Quill grabs a candle from the candelabra and holds the flame millimeters above Lysander's alcohol-soaked hair. T, if you fucking know something, you better fucking say something. Perhaps we can all settle. Shut up, Craven. I'm just saying that's one hell of a pricey bottle to waste Open on. Open your mouth one more time and I will tear out your jaw. Let him go. Tell me where you were. I don't know. There's a straightforward explanation for him. Usher, take off Craven's head. Without hesitation, the Banu Akim descends on Craven, sword in hand. As the others scramble to get out of the way, Usher slams the blade into Craven's throat, knocking him and his chair to the floor. Craven tries to speak, but Usher shoves a fist into his mouth while lifting his sword for a second hack. Then a third. Blood and bits fly off the blade. A fourth hit. I had forgotten just how tough Venture are to kill. Craven claws at Usher's wrist and fist, but it's no use. By the fifth blow, Craven is dead and leaves behind a bloody, ashy mess on the dining room floor. We had him on loan, sire. I'll deal with Walsh. Archon Locke, anything you'd like to add? Thy domain is thy own concern, your majesty. Excellent. Now, Mr. Reed... I will ask you one more time. Who did you speak to after the Primogen meeting? Wax from the candle drips on Lysander's face, 
Motherfuck! I was with Craven. With Craven? Yes. Marlowe? He is telling the truth. What were you discussing? The nature of the debts I owe Clan Ventru, and how I might be free of them. Finally, Quill lets Lysander go. Fucking Christ! The Elder glowers at me while everyone else stares at the mess that used to be Craven. Find her, Mr. Reed, or I will tell this city what I know. Do not test me. Now take your friends and get out of my house. Jesus fucking Christ, bruh. What the fuck was that? You all right? Do I look fucking all right? I got a brandy shower. It almost had my head fucking set on fire. It's okay. It's over. Nah. Nah, baby. It's never fucking over. Ain't never setting foot in that motherfucking place ever again. I am done with that shit. Where the fuck are my smokes? I wouldn't recommend that. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. Lysander, your head's still soaked in booze. God fucking damn it. I'm about to murder a fucking prince. Be damned, the blood hunt. Titus, what the hell did Quill mean in there with Hale? What does he know about you that we don't? Guys, guys, look. Don't try to change the subject. No, seriously, look. Parked on the other side of Cardiff House is the ice cream van with two ghouls guarding it. He didn't tell Quill about the van. What? Usher, he didn't tell Quill about the vast quantities of blood in the back of the van. Uh Uh-huh, so? Why would he do that? Because the blood addict wants it for himself. What have we been waiting for? What's the one thing we keep talking about? Killing Usher. And here we are, looking at a van full of bait. For a guy who's already wounded, and who's already spent a lot of blood tonight in two different battles. You want to do this right now? Yes, right now. You, me, and Lysander. Uh Uh-uh. Do not drag my ass into this. You're already in it. What's the plan? We steal back the van. That's a goal, not a plan. Fine. How about this? Lysander, you're the distraction. Turn on the charm and get the guards focused on you. Hey, babies. You aren't going to believe the night I've had. I spilled brandy all over myself, and I thought maybe it was just the shirt, but when I took it off, my skin was just as sticky. See? Touch it. Even if there's a spigot or something out here I can use to hose myself off. Once he has the guards enraptured, we'll take them out. (gasps) Then, Rebel, you find the keys and get the van started. Lysander and I grab the guards' radios and hop in the back. Once we have a decent head start, I'll get Usher's attention with the radio. Hey, uh, we're having some trouble with the van. Does someone have eyes on Sheriff Usher? Usher here. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Titus Reed says to go fuck yourself. I will enjoy killing. Are our weapons back there? 
I don't see them. Black bag. Yeah. Open it up and start handing them out. You ever use a firearm? Uh, no, not really. There's a little switch on the side. That's the safety. Hit that, then just point and shoot. Rebel, don't drive too fast. We need him to catch us. Don't tell me how to drive. Tell me what Quill meant by find her or I'll tell the city what I know. It's nothing. Bullshit. What the fuck does that mean? <sighs> Father Frank is alive. He what? Baby, no. He's alive. I didn't kill him. You motherfucker. All this time and you didn't say anything? It's complicated. You lied to me, you selfish fucking asshole. Y'all, can we please chill the fuck out? We got an usher incoming. I look out the passenger side window. Where? I don't see him. Why did you lie to me? I knew him from my living days. And so you decided to risk all our lives to protect his? No. Are you protecting him now? Uh, Rebel, you need to drive faster or we need a new fucking plan. I'm looking at my fucking side mirror here and I don't... And just like that, a sword tears through the roof. He's on top of us. Jesus, fuck! There. Side road, hard turn left. I can't believe you lied to me. I know, I'm sorry. Usher's sword slices through the top of the van on the driver's side and digs into Rebel's shoulder. She loses control of the wheel and can't steer into the skid. Hold on! Hold on! We're gonna fucking die! We're on our side. There's glass everywhere and blood leaking down my face. I'm pretty sure I smashed part of my skull. We're not out of this yet. Get the back open. Lysander opens the back of the van and we pour out, scrambling to find Usher. Guns pointed, we scan the empty street and alleyway. But there's no sign. Of course there wouldn't be a sign. This guy's a master at staying hidden. Which means chances are he's gonna come out of- T! Look out! I don't even see the blade until it's jammed through my chest. I stumble back pulling Usher with me as I fire point-blank into his stomach. The dragon's breath rounds hit, searing flesh, but he spins like a whirlwind, putting out the flames. Grabbing his sword by the hilt, he kicks me in the chest to dislodge it. I go down and kiss the pavement. Well fought, Mr. Reed. Tell Lawrence and Aaron I said hello. Not yet, asshole. He turns in time to get a shotgun blast to the face. The two fighters trade blows. They're going so fast it's hard to keep up. Rebel shatters Usher's clavicle when he impales her on his sword. As she drops, he stands over her, drawing a second blade. Hey, Usher. Lysander stands by the van with his arms full of blood bags. Blood for the blood gods. He tears them apart, one after another, dumping the blood into the street. You want it, baby? You come and fucking get it. And just like that, Usher, the cold and calculating killing machine, transforms into a ravenous beast. He drops his weapon, zips across the street, and shoves Lysander aside to down the remaining bags. He rips through them, licking the insides clean like a frenzied fiend. Rebel doesn't waste the opportunity. She pulls Usher's sword from her stomach, closes the distance, and takes off his head.
You okay, Lysander? I'm IT. Rebel? <sighs> yeah. You good? Yeah. Good. Because now, we are properly fucked. Vampire the Masquerade, Port Saga, created by Rachel J. Wilkinson, with voice performances by Dane Geist, Kat Mermelstein, Luke Hales, Aaron Ducky Lorette, Marta De Silva, Riley Silverman, Brad Hardwick, Andrew Alandi, Ken Pickering, and Matthew Webb. Sound design by Rachel J. Wilkinson. Mixing and mastering by Brandon Strader. Portions of this podcast are the copyrights and trademarks of Paradox Interactive AB and are used with permission, all rights reserved. For more information, please visit worldofdarkness.com.